I'm Marlo Higgins, and I've spent nearly four decades as an entrepreneur building boundaries around time and energy. I am captivated by stories of creating that mythical balance between priorities and success without the guilt and fear of missing out. I'm a to-the-point business coach that helps start a company, rebrand another, and launch my own. Now I'm running a thriving online brand with the white space in my calendar to spend time with my family, nurture my soul, and create an impact in our world. Are you dreaming of striking a balance between a thriving business and a joyful life? It is possible, and it starts with you. Get out your field notes, and let's tap into Peaceful Achievers, inspiring you to create a vision, level up your skills, and show you how to set boundaries that support the life you desire. This is 22 Minutes to Having It All. All right, all right. You're listening to this episode. It is 2022. Let's embrace it. Let's bring forward some powerful information for you. So we have Reginald McDade this episode. And Reggie, I'd like to call him, he has this level of optimism that just shines. During this episode, we really had some powerful conversation around the black swan concept. It's fascinating. So like, it's just a whole different way to think differently. And then he works within teams and culture. And he points out how to find and utilize these within your organization. And so if you are listening to this, you're a leader, you are setting precedents within your organization, you need to shift culture or change it. This conversation is for you because there is just so much power in what Reggie shares on this episode. We talk about the sense of a goose analogy and the power of team and how we nurture, encourage, and collaborate together as teams and the power that comes from that. So if you've not heard of the sense of a goose, Reggie and I talk a little bit deeper about that concept. And outcomes affect the importance of outcomes that affect not only the organization, but the people, family, and community and how to live those values, because that is one of the catalyst frameworks that Reggie talks about. We all know that, you know, the power of feeling safe, feeling like things are equitable, and then having an opportunity to thrive. So enjoy this episode with Reggie as we dig into these concepts. He's an absolute delight. We were both speakers at an event at the Become More Conference with Scott Bumgardner. His episode was dropped in December. So go back, listen to Scott's episode. You'll understand this big full body of work, how these connections come together and When I'm meeting people and connecting, I'm always thinking about you, our listener, because I want to bring the most valuable information forward. And I always believe that when we walk away from something, I mean, time's precious and putting a value to time. So you're giving us 22 minutes. And so I want to make sure that the value that we bring is just on point for you. So enjoy the episode and in the comments section, tell us what you took from Reggie. All right, have fun. We have Reggie McDade with us today. And this conversation, as Reggie can tell, we're, we're jumping in already. So you've recently written an article. You said it's on the LinkedIn platform. Talk to us about that. The Black Swan, talk to us. Yes, Black Swan thinking, as I like to describe it. I'm not a consultant in my group, isn't a consulting for every organization because we think a little bit differently. And most of our work, revolves around getting the most from teams, from the people, and finding those black swans within the organization to utilize them to achieve the greatness that's already there. So the 
article newsletter that we're starting is addressing some of those concerns. And one of the points that I made in there is you look at a lot of professional athletes, for example, got cut from their high school team, from their college team, but they went on to have great success. They were a little bit different than everybody else. And those coaches that recognized that was able to pull that out and to build around. It's one of those things that it creates magic. And that's how you create the success stories. Okay. So it's talent. And, you know, this is your space, of course, you know, you serve as a human capital strategist and you, you talk about solutions all the time in this space. So give us more in depth about the analogy. So why have you labeled it the black swan? I mean, like what's, what's the reference to that? Well, at one point in time, for example, black swans were thought to be non-existent. All swans were the same. They swam the same. They you know, acted the same. They did the same. Then all of a sudden, a black swan was discovered. And still a swan, still did everything else, but looked a little bit different, acted a little bit different, but had the ability to bring the rest of the swans together and to achieve greatness. And the way I like to describe it, if you watch a group of swans or geese fly, they fly in formation and they change position based on what they need to do, but everyone is valued. So instead of taking those outliers or what we think are outliers and making them part of the fold and seeing what special talents they have, you can normally achieve more. So again, when the swans or the geese fly, the lead when they first take off is probably one of those black swan thinkers. They're out there saying, we can do this, we got this, but we can get to where we're going. And then they'll change based upon when someone gets tired, they're used to uplift, but they're not outcast. And what we do in business lots of times is we take those people that are different, that think different, that look different, that talk different, and we push them aside. And they may have great ideas. They may have some great insight. How do we bring them into the fold? And one of the premises I talk with my clients about is as we bring them into the fold and we start building teams and seeing what they have to offer, it's amazing what you can get accomplished because those are the people that normally do the work day in, day out, observe the work day in, day out. And instead of feeling like the organization is talking to the, at them mm-hmm. it becomes a conversation where the organization is talking with them. And once you start that, anything's possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the analogies we use is turning the impossible into possible. And that's how you do it by including those people that are normally outliers. Yeah. And I love that, that sense of a goose, you know, the analogy of, of leadership and, you know, there's a poignant leader that's out there, right? And they fly together for the, the wind velocity. It makes things a little bit easier. But yeah, the, the point man gets tired, circles around, goes to the behind. Somebody else takes the lead. And I think that's what you're describing here is, you know, the power of team and the sense of, of everyone together. I also find it fascinating, too, in that situation with the, with the geese. You know, if one of them is hurt, they go down as a pair and they stay together until that person is healed. So no, no man left behind analogy, right? They, they have this amazing instinct on how they nurture, encourage, stay together, and then get back into the next form of geese that will come in. Yes. And one of the interesting things about that is that when they fall out of what is injured or hurt, uh, 
they either catch up with their original group or they join another group. But they don't let that set them back or deter them. And they adjust. And in business, that's what we have to do is adjust. And one of the things in that I tell clients now is with the social uh, things going on with this pandemic, all the different inputs. How do we adjust? How do we act like geese or swans and use the team in order to overcome whatever obstacles out there in front of us? Yeah. You know, again, one of the things we talk about is making sure that it works with the organization, the employee, their family, and the community. That's how you do it. Okay, so what brought you that? You know, so so Reggie, I know that's like a really stand tall piece for you. And I think that's poignant. It has to work for the organization, the employee, their family, and the community that they operate in. Give us some, you know, some reflections, some some more insight as to why that is such a catalyst for the success that you see within working with teams, pulling the odd ducks forward. How do we make this inclusive? How do we have those types of conversations and build those types of visions so then everybody is strong? I'm going to describe it this way. My undergrad degree is in accounting, psychology, and fine arts. And I was one of those outliers. I didn't fit into the financial world because I was deemed too creative. I didn't fit in the creative world because I was deemed as too conservative. And it's like, you know, I can operate in both of these spaces, but it requires people to think a little bit differently to see the value in those things. As I went to grad school, as I started traveling around the country in different roles, I started finding out that no matter the organization, when I first go in, it was all designed to foster the group think type mentality. And in that group think mentality, it's like, well, everyone needs to be thankful that they work for this organization doesn't matter to the employee, doesn't matter to the family, doesn't matter to the community. We're the best things in sliced bread. They should be happy. And at one organization, well, Union Carbide, and I was with them, we hired the most advanced degree individuals by, you know, on any company, you know, compared to any company. But we were losing them. And one of the reasons we were losing them is that once they got in, we didn't do anything to make them feel a part of the organization, or the community, or anything to help their families assimilate. So I started doing things around that, and it started changing the narrative. And that's when it became very important to me to make sure that we're doing things that work for all four of those constituents. So how do you bring the family forward? And, you know, so you know, we always hear that the organization, we're out to win, right? I mean, I think that's the, the bloodline. So when the company wins, then like you said, just be thankful because that means you're going to win. But but how do you how do you infuse the family component into that and, and the community piece? I mean, like, how as an organization do you champion that? I'll give you an example. One organization I worked with, they also own coal companies. And something about the coal companies and the employees there they recognized that the coal company provided all of their livelihood. The company would do things for the employees, for their families. And the first time I heard an associate talk about, well, this company 
providing for my parents, providing for me, providing for my kids, paying for school. And it was a known fact that uh, people that retired from that company, they called them uh, the jewel millionaires because they had a good life. But they recognized that the family was a big part of this situation. And the way I'm going to describe it is that when things are bad or you know, situation is hard, <clears throat> it's the family that tells the employee, you need to go to work. This is a good job. This is, you know, they're providing for our livelihood, providing for your parents, it's providing for us, it's providing for our kids. And that family component becomes very important versus a company that doesn't value the employee or the family, where it's like, you know what, I'm not going today. And the family's like, well, great. You shouldn't go. They use you and don't care anything about you and replace you in a moment. And it's changing that dynamic, that narrative. And what I have found is that when you include the family or think about the family, that spills over into the community. And one of the examples I love to use is we've all been at social events where, let's say, there's a group of 10 people. There's someone always talking about how great their employer is and people, you know, kind of turn that person off. It's like they're always spouting that party line. Then there's someone on the opposite end that's always negative. And again, they're always negative. They should leave that organization. For everybody else, they start paying attention to when someone's talking about some of the good that the organization is doing, how they made them feel. I have a client that during the pandemic, uh, they were wondering what they could do for their associates and they were having a hard time recruiting. So uh, one of my suggestions was start cutting the grass for the associates that's out. That starts to go through the community and that starts to get people in that group of 10 to talk about, you know, uh, my spouse is coming sent someone to cut the grass because they were out sick. And how many companies do that? How many companies care? They sent a little care package. They call to check in. That type of involvement, that type of involving everybody is what we should be doing. But as organizations, lots of times we don't do it. I mean, that's just the essence of being kind, right? And we hear now more than ever, you know, just be kind. And I think this is just a basic principle, but I think we have gotten so far from basic that, I mean, I do believe back in the day, this was a core component to success and thriving for people. I think families were a much bigger part of the pie when we think of the overall community. I mean, everything was community-based, right? But we've gotten so far from that. How do we bring the conversation back? So, you know, that's, that's the problem, but like, let's talk about solutions, Reggie. Like, How can, in your recommendation, how can you make those things a reality and not just be talking about them? The way I describe it is we have to be intentional in our efforts. We can't forget about uh, what got us to where we are as organizations or what keeps us moving forward or what puts us in a position to continue to, as I like to refer to it, to win the championships. It's those people doing the work day in, day out. And at one point, you know, we had company towns, things like that, and we lost that. It all became about the bottom line. 
And one of the things that I talk about is if you follow some of these things and you're intentional, you include all these people, the bottom line results will happen and will probably be greater than if you don't. But you have to be intentional because as you made the comment, it's about being kind. It's that humanistic feeling. It's flying like the geese. We're all part of a team, but we lose sight of that and organizations lose sight of that. Um, And I don't know where we became so focused on the bottom line versus everything else, but I'll use the Deloitte report for 2021, where they talk about if you do these things, you're going to get this result. But again, you have to be intentional in it. And a lot of organizations just, they lose sight of that. And as I talk about process versus people, they get caught in their process instead of their people. But we have to turn that focus back on the people. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking culture, right? You know, working with a client recently, a conversation came up and, you know, culture and, and culture is really systems and communication. You know, it's not, it's not performance. It's not talent and gaps, but, you know, instead of saying, okay, we're going to put one person in charge to be the chief culture officer for the organization, I'm going to recommend everybody is a chief culture officer in your organization. So everybody is champion with that responsibility of creating a good communication, follow good systems and implementation, you know, really kind of building synergy. So it's not just one person saying, we as a culture do this, or just kind of plant that seed as that one person's responsibility, but getting others to adopt it. Like, give me, as I'm even describing that, Reggie, like, what's your input there? They will put things on the wall. This is what we stand for. This is, you know, this is our values. And it has nothing to do with or it doesn't translate to the employee on the floor. From our model, it's a triangle model at the base is safe. On the left-hand side is equitable, and on the right-hand side is we're thriving. That's what everybody wants. Uh, They want to feel safe, they want to know that it's equitable, and they want to have opportunity to thrive. And as we take things off of the wall and just live, our values and uh, make sure our employees are living their values. And when that synergy comes together, it creates those spaces where it's safe, equitable, and everyone has opportunity to thrive. The and in some of my conversations around DNI, for example, people ask me, well, what metrics do you want to look at? This, that, and the other. And I always tell them, well, I'm not so interested in your metrics. Let me see a picture of your leadership team. Let me see a picture of your organization. And that will tell me a whole lot more about what you're doing or not doing. And then let's start talking about how the community looks and where are you being intentional in some of your efforts and how are you trying to make sure that you're expanding, you know, your team to get these different inputs. And I think that's where organizations lose sight of. What's important? Because you got to have all these different voices and all these different ideas at the table in order to get the best outcome. And it's not about what you put on the wall that you know, no one pays attention to. It's not about you know the money that you donate, that you don't follow through on what's going on. But let's look at what's happening 
on a day in, day out basis. And those are the things that make a difference. And as we like to say, every organization is different. Every situation is different. We don't know what we're going to encounter until we do an assessment, start looking at things. But what I have found is that when companies start becoming more intentional in some of their efforts, the results are phenomenal. And it doesn't end up in being stuff that's just put on the wall. Right. Okay. So here's the thing too. So you mentioned, you know, gaining input, right? So when we do that, and this is the the other side of that coin, then, okay, so we give everybody a voice and you and I see this in the same way, but I want our audience to hear this conversation. I think there's a fear because we're getting everybody's input. And so then it kind of champions everybody with a voice to feel super empowered. And then it's like running the wild, wild west because everybody is speaking their their own personal truth, okay? So I think the challenge in that, and even the fear for organizations is how do you take that input, okay, but then manage that effectively? And that's culture. So we need to give everybody a voice. But the scarcity, I think, comes into the organization saying, when we do that, then we have everybody kind of running wild and that doesn't work. So how, like, take that conversation, Reggie, and give, Give me your insight. When clients use that example, you know, we can't give everyone a voice. And here's my pushback. Let's go back to that group of 10. You have one person that's always spouting this positive stuff. And you have one person always spouting this negative stuff. You discount them. They're your outliers. There's someone in that group of 10 that's an informal leader or unofficial leader. And it's identifying who that person is. And no matter what the other inputs are, well, they operate from a position of what's best for the employees and what's best for the organization. They are your black swans. (laughs) And it's uncovering who those people are because they will deal with all the other noise. And I'll give you an example. One business unit that I used to support, there was one unit within a plan that operated well made all their targets, all their training was done, housekeeping was great. And there was an operator there that took on this responsibility because he got tired of the revolving door of supervisors. Hmm. And a lot of the leadership team didn't know who he was. And I was like, we need to duplicate him and all the units. And they're like, well, he, he never says anything. He doesn't do anything, but he's your unofficial leader. He's taking on responsibility for your training. He tells them when to speak up, when to pull back. And those are the kinds of things that you do in order not to open the floodgates and have everybody running through. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And yeah, and it so it brings a full circle into, you know, your black swan thinking. And I 100% agree with you. And I think this conversation is just, it's very important. That's why we offer a podcast like this, because we can take people like yourself, Reggie, with such rich experience and thought into helping infuse that into organizations and culture. Because here's the thing, and we know this. They're, you know, we're head down, right? We're, we're just trying to do what we can to get by. I think that's a lot of it and things I think in business today feel harder than ever, to be honest. And so I think adopting one more thing or what a lot of people just rainbows and rabbits. Oh, it's easy for you to speak like that. But in essence, and Reggie, you and I know this, once it's adopted and embraced, 
and brought forward, that's when the change really happens. And so we have to lift up our heads and we can still, you know, like you said, be intentional with our efforts, put a little intentionality into when our heads are down, what are we focused on? And I think shifting a bit of a focus to looking for some unique talent, just like these black swans and the way that they think, how it can really impact an organization overall. It can impact an organization and impact the team. And it becomes that voice that you can find out what's going right, what's going wrong, uh, where you make some changes, new opportunities, or you can push those people down. And if you push those people down, what happens is the organization does the smile and nod. And I always talk about the companies that are just average. A lot of the employees are smiling and nodding because they don't feel like they have a voice. They don't have that black swan that, you know, is bringing things forward for them. But when organizations take the time to invest in their people, to make sure they're creating the best teams that they can. And another analogy that I use is you have to get everyone prepared. Not that you want everyone to take the shot, but they need to be prepared to take the shot. Your superstars are going to take it. But the competition knows that your superstar is probably going to be the one, you know, with 20 seconds left with the ball. But you got in basketball, you got five people on the floor. Those other four people need to be willing to take the shot. And you can't get them there in those last 20 seconds. So how do we do that? And how do you do things to keep this going? And one of the things that me personally, I get a little discouraged by is a lot of organizations that I've worked internally with, we will get a lot of things done. And then once I leave, things change. <laughs> yeah. How do you sustain? Yeah, sustainability is a big piece of it. All right, so we're coming to the close of the episode. You and I met at the Become More Conference speakers. I, Like I said, I just really enjoy conversations like people like you, Reggie. So as we close, what are your final words for anybody who's listening to this episode and take this conversation? What would you like to champion people with today? Oh, simple quote. Every great dream begins with a dream. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars, to change the world. And Harriet Tubman said that. And as organizations are looking to become the best that they can be, find those dreamers. Give them a voice. Give them a platform to reach for the stars. And when that is done, it will benefit the entire organization. And if we can help organizations do that, we're more than willing to help, but that's the key because everyone has that dream in them. Some will talk about it, some won't, but those that will, those that are the black swans, will do a lot of the heavy lifting, will prepare everybody else, and will help organizations continually win championships, as I like to refer to them. Reginald McDade, this was absolutely fantastic. So thank you for being our guest today. This was phenomenal. Did you enjoy this conversation as much as I did? If you're looking for more conversations like these, be sure to subscribe and please leave a review of the podcast. Subscribing and leaving a review helps it show up on your phone every time a new episode is released 
and leaving a review helps other people like you find us so they can get the help they need so they can live their best life. Also, subscribe to our weekly email on our website at marlohiggins.com. This is the place that we share insider tips with our audience and drop polarizing insights with you. Remember, the road to success is better with friends. So be sure to share this episode to help all of you reach your goals together. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, success is universally desired, personally defined, and always within reach.